When I was a kid, I wanted to be a businesswoman, and now I am an entrepreneur. Hi, I'm Ben Hanani. Welcome to How Do You Do, a podcast featuring creative guests sharing the nuances of their process. Just a quick reminder to subscribe, rate, and review the show on Apple Podcasts is the most helpful thing you can do for the podcast. My guest today is Annabelle Lowey. Originally from Montreal and fitting every Canadian stereotype, Annabelle began her career in the startup world as employee number eight at Echo. Leading BD sales and partnerships, Annabelle was constantly in and out of airports and struggled to find healthy yet convenient food choices. What started as a personal struggle manifested into Breeze, an on-demand food service on a mission to provide all airport travelers convenient access to real, wholesome food. Breeze launched at LAX in December 2019, just three months before COVID shut down its operations overnight. Given ample time to build resilience, Breeze successfully relaunched with an evolved offering appealing to a larger, more inclusive audience and is now forging a path to redefine the way food is ordered and consumed during travel. Annabelle is also very passionate about all things health and wellness and is now a certified coach on a mission to empower both men and women to take control of their lives and realize the limitless possibilities that exist for them. Without further ado, welcome to the pod, Annabelle. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm so honored. Of course. This is a real treat. I'll I'll just give what I said in layman's terms to people who might be traveling, which is if you're at LAX like I was a few weeks ago and you see a long line at Starbucks... And you probably don't have time to go there before your flight. And then you see this ad for this thing called Breeze that you just scan on your phone, which I did. And then it takes you to a bunch of really good, tasty looking options that will be ready in two to four minutes. Okay, that sounds really great. So you order it and you think it's too good to be true. But no, it is exactly as advertised. It's amazing. It's perfect for you know, when you need something quick before your flight and at LAX of all places where at least in Terminal 2, I don't know how great the options are. <laughs> um, it's such a refreshing change to have really good healthy food before your flight. So you don't feel gross on your flight either because nobody wants to feel gross. So I mean, I personally enjoyed it. And that's how you kind of came up on my radar. I was really fascinated by by the whole concept of Breeze and I was reading more about it. And what I love is that a lot of people like myself, when we're stuck at an airport and we don't like the food options, we're either thinking, all right, whatever, we'll just grab, you know, whatever's here or B, next time I'm going to bring snacks and then people do that. You went with option three, which is I'm going to start my own business to solve this problem. Tell us a little bit about your inspiration, your personal journey starting this and what triggered that for you as opposed to let me just bring snacks next time. Yeah, so I was in BD for about five years at Echo, as you mentioned, and I was constantly in and out of airports, always traveling for business, for personal, what have you. And I have celiac disease, so I can never eat anything in an airport. And I was so sick and tired of walking up and down the aisles of the airport or, you know, being in the plane and not having anything to eat, having to feel like hangry and annoyed at my business meeting I'm supposed to do well at. So, you know, most of the time I would just walk up and down and all I would find is that like big bag of almonds because they don't have small bags. So it'd be like a big bag of almonds for 18 bucks. Um, that I would pay for. And then I would end up by overdosing on these almonds and feel gross at my business meeting. 
So that was the pain point for it. And I started to talk to so many people and everyone's like, oh my God, I hate airport food. I hate airplane food. Like everyone had the same pain point. I was like, why has no one done anything about this? Now I understand why no one's done anything about it because (laughs) the airport industry is very crazy and uh, bureaucratic and unlike many other industries. However, there's also a lot of opportunity there. So I'm glad I did something about it. But if I knew what I knew now, I don't know if I would have had the courage to do so. (laughs) I want to touch on something you just mentioned, which is it's very bureaucratic. I've read you say it's very tight knit. It's hard to break into an industry like that. You're coming from a different world, the tech world, which has some overlap with your current venture with Breeze. But again, pretty new industry for you. How have you found success breaking into this new industry with its own very established players and rules? Yeah, so tech did did not prepare me at all for this industry. Um, I started when I, I didn't think it was going to be this hard at the beginning. So I started just reaching out to people on LinkedIn in the airport industry, asking for 30 minutes of their time to chat about all things airports. But, you know, really the the airports, there's so many rules and regulations and processes of how things are done. And because Breeze doesn't fit the mold of the traditional brick and mortar concession at an airport, I did not fit into any of their RFPs or their, you know, traditional process to get into an airport. So what I did learn from Echo, which is something that will always carry with me is relationship building, relationship making, developing, maintaining, that kind of thing. And that's what I did to get Breeze into LAX. It was all about relationships and meeting the right people, um, finding people who believed in me, who believed in the idea, who could be early adopters and ultimately getting launched there. But I think the the being in a startup pre-Breeze, like at Echo, really prepared me also for the kind of like creative problem solving, like let's like pivot really quickly. Like how can I like make something good out of this? Like what is the silver lining? Um, wearing many hats. There were so many things it did prepare me for, but definitely not the industry component. There's a, like you're saying, there's a big creative component to what you're doing. And I'm curious, when you're confronted with challenges and you're trying to figure out a solution, are there any strategies, are there any approaches that you found work for you? It could be as simple as I go for a walk and that that sometimes helps clear my head or maybe a certain strategy, certain questions you ask yourself. Is there anything like that that you have found helpful for yourself? Yeah, I think it's really interesting you bring that up. I think um, over the years, I've really realized that there is this like brief a second or a minute between stimulus and response. And that's where like the magic can happen. You can either have a bad attitude about something or you can have a good attitude, a problem solving approach to something. So, you know, over the years, I used to get very frustrated when things would happen, because let me tell you, in the airport industry, every day, every second, there's a fire of some sort, right? Um, And I used to get so frustrated, it used to bring me down the entire day you know, now it's like, okay, something happens, like, I don't react. I'm just like, okay, like, it is what it is. Maybe I go for a walk, maybe I journal, maybe I meditate, maybe I, you know, go eat something or whatever it is. But I try not to react in that moment to what had just happened. So it allows me time to really think about how I want to show up. That's very powerful. I like that a lot. I want to go back just for a moment to what you were saying about basically cold emailing, cold messaging on LinkedIn, people who work at airports. What were you asking them? Like, did you have questions specifically that you were very interested in hearing about? And what were some of the surprises that came from talking to people who are working at airports day in and day out? So it's funny you asked, did I have questions? Because yes, I had questions. And yes, they were written out on a paper. And I was like shaking. I was so nervous, like asking (laughs) these people. And another thing that I did is because I was so nervous and I like couldn't 
you know, when you're like, you're so nervous talking to someone, you're not really grasping what they say because you're so focused on like the questions yeah. that you're going to ask next. So I used to like literally go on um, FaceTime or whatever the thing is on a computer where it can record you. So I basically recorded all of my conversations with these people so that I could actually listen to their responses after because I wasn't focused on their yeah. responses. But um, I was really just interested on like, how do you get into an airport? Like what airports are like, there's different models of different airports. So some airport terminals have, you know, a different, like different amount of concessionaires, which is airport operators, basically. Um, and then some have, you know, a prime concessionaire, which is just one operator does the entire terminal and does all the different concepts. Like airports are very different. And I don't think many people know that like when you see Starbucks in an airport, that's not Starbucks the brand. That's an airport operator licensing Starbucks the brand, paying them a licensing mm -hmm. fee, and then operating in an airport, which is why a lot of the times you don't have the same experience at a Starbucks roadside that you would have at a Starbucks in the terminal. They don't take the app, or you can't order ahead, like things like that, because it's, it's not, it's affiliated, but it's not. Yeah. So there's a lot of nuances to an airport that I slowly started to understand through these initial conversations but also like I used to read so much um, but the more I read the more I was like I can't go in this way like I will never be able to win an RFP and I'm also not spending hundreds of grand like on this RFP like that's not a use good use of my money so ultimately it was it was a relationship thing and finding the key people to believe in me Whoa, so that that's really interesting. What you're what you were saying also at the beginning of that was really funny for me to listen to where you're saying that you were were basically blacking out during the responses. <laughs> Literally. That was me during my first like 30 podcasts and to some extent still is sometimes and when I listen back <laughs> to recordings, I I was like, "Oh, I really asked that or that person really said that? That's really fascinating. Why didn't I ask more about that?" But I think like you're saying it's kind of natural when you're first starting out talking to experts in their field there are going to be nerves. And, and I applaud you for, you know, just putting yourself in the arena to begin with and persevering through that. As you were talking to these people, I'm sure it just gave you more confidence that your idea was a great idea. Was there any big turning point throughout this process where you said, okay, definitely has to be a business like this? This is what I needed to make the leap or maybe a series of moments like that that gave you the confidence to make the leap. I actually think it was the opposite. The more I spoke to these people, the more I was like, this, how am I going to ever do this? Like these people, <laughs> like innovation plus airports didn't really yeah. go hand in hand. There was like, this sure. is how we do things. This is how it is. That's it. And that's what I kind of yeah. gathered from a lot of these initial conversations. So if anything, it made me want to go the other direction. <laughs> However, you know, I had this idea for, you know, a year and a half and I was this like timid little Canadian working at echo and not really able to uh, put it into action. I was scared I was going to get deported. Like, you know, I was a little risk averse, all the kind of thing. But I had the pitch deck and I would iterating on it and I wouldn't show anyone, but I would just like make it on my spare time. And I think the piece of advice that really helped me push me over the ledge was someone said to me, like, what is your worst case scenario if you were to start Breeze right now? And I was like, well, I'm going to get deported. I'm going to move back to Montreal in my parents' house. And I'm, all the life that I'd built for myself in New York would have gone to nothing. And they said to me, they're like, Annabelle, but what if your worst case scenario is actually staying at Echo, becoming complacent, being even more unfulfilled, and having regret of not starting Breeze? And I was like, 
That's really interesting. And it really helped me reframe my perspective on the jump and the leap to start Breathe. And even if nothing worked out, I know that there would be valuable learning opportunities in that. And yes, if I had to move back to Montreal and all that, like probably wouldn't have been ideal, but I knew I was going to be able to figure it out, just like I have in many other aspects of my life. So that was like the one thing that I always remember being like a great turning point to get me to quit. Um, and then, you know, from the airport side, I, I didn't get the, the feeling that it was going to be great because, again, it's very traditional. But when I went to raise money and put this PowerPoint slide into the world, my first slide, and you can ask Sophia, it said airport food sucks. Um, and there was images and stats of like how bad airport food is, how much sugar and sodium is put into this stuff. And we raised 1.5 million on a PowerPoint slide, literally that said airport food sucks. And I didn't have an airport. I didn't have a team. I didn't have anything. And I was still at my last job. So from the, the kind of consumer investor side, I was extremely validated. That it was a great idea. Like they resonate with the pain point. They're traveling tech investors traveling so much. They totally understand this pain point. So I received early validation on that side that it was going to be a good idea. I just didn't know how hard it would be to penetrate into the airport. Those scenes that you mentioned, they sound like the act one scenes <laughs> of the Breeze movie that we're at right now. If we were to fast forward a bit to act two and three, up to when Breeze was made, what are kind of the other major scenes that if we were tracking you, if we were tracking the Breeze story, what are some of the other big scenes that have played a huge part in the making of Breeze to where it is today. Yeah, so definitely one of the first scenes would be um, that that kind of PowerPoint slide and and you know the early traction um, in the kind of Silicon Valley world that I had just been exposed to, and then we would have fast forward to a scene where I had tremendous amount of imposter syndrome. Like I had raised all this money, I had money, but I could not get myself into an airport. So I was just like, oh my God, like maybe I should give back the money. Like I literally stole people's money. I have no idea what I'm doing. But by the way, no one knows what they're doing. So, yeah. okay, now <laughs> I know that. But then I would fast forward to, I was at probably one of the lowest points. I just could not get into an airport and it had been maybe like four or five months since I had raised the money. Um, and I went to this airport conference in Vegas. Yes, they have airport conferences and very male dominated. Everyone's name is like Mike, Chris and Rob, like everyone all looks the same. <laughs> and like I go in and I purposely wore this yellow blazer, like bright yellow blazer that everyone could see and really just went in there and I had nothing to lose. And I made the right relationships at that conference to ultimately lead to LAX. It, but it was just crazy the kind of like juxtaposition between the lowest of lows and the bathroom breaks that I took to cry and then like going out there and being like, no, I got this type thing and getting, you know, meeting the right people there who really believed in me um, and then really working through um, the relationships with them. And then I would probably fast forward to when we launched. I'll spare you a lot of like details. Um, but we launched in December 3rd of 2019. And it was amazing to see it all come to life after so many, uh, so long of such hard work. And then COVID hit uh, <laughs> March of 2020. And some may say that was bad timing. Some may say it's good timing. And I'm in a camp that it was great timing. At least I got to actually launch the company uh, three months prior and really see it come to life. And then I had six months to kind of 
you know, work on myself, which was a really nice time where I could just be instead of do. I think I've spent my whole life doing all the time and never being alone and always filling up my time with like events and things like that. And to have the time to just like go inwards and just like be um, and follow my curiosity instead of commitments was was really nice for me. And that's when I got my coaching certification as well to help, you know, other people kind of unsuck themselves and realize their full potentials. And then we relaunched in July of 2020. It was awful. It was so bad. We were doing like maybe like a $200 a day, like cannot, we, we just could not operate like this. And I don't know if we started to, to share this at the beginning, but Breeze was meant to have like very like Irwan style meals, like very like healthy, keto, <laughs> vegan, whatever. So pre-COVID, sure. that's exactly what we had. We had these like beautiful dishes, you know, it was meant for the business traveler. Now, post-COVID, the leisure traveler was the one that was at the forefront. The business traveler yep. had kind of gone away. So we actually changed our entire menu to appeal to the leisure traveler. So now we have things like, you know, baked goods or bagels, breakfast sandwiches, grilled cheese. We still have our healthier options, but we also have made it more mainstream so that we could appeal to the leisure traveler. Now, for me, that was really hard because obviously I can't eat half the menu now. And it's a little bit of an emotional type thing. It's like, this is not why I started Breathe. However, right. in moments like this, you have to evolve to survive. Um, and I'm very proud of us for, for doing just that because, you know, now we're actually doing better than pre-COVID. Um, we've done a lot of work streamlining the entire process, making sure everything's super efficient. The customer experience is always number one. And, you know, when everyone was so scared about COVID, I mean, I was too that summer. I was like in the airport because I have to be in the airport to get Breeze out of COVID. And so I have like my three mask and the visor and like everything. I'm like petrified. I've taken like a million COVID tests because like I was in the terminal so much during those like early, earlier months. But, you know, I have to be there. I have to be hands on. And, you know, after, you know, four or five months of hard work in the terminal, we finally started to see the light beginning of this year and, and traffic right now, as you probably know, in an airport is is crazy. And a lot of pent up, uh, you know, yep. yeah, so a lot of people are traveling now, which is nice. And yeah, we're continuing to deliver a, a great experience. And to your credit, you also have a great ad placement where as soon as people have gone through security, and are lacing up their shoes again, the first thing they <laughs> see is this ad like 10 foot tall ad which is like get you know th this healthy looking food and there are photos of it in two to four minutes scan the code and i was like what um and then you look around and you're like all right there's like a 50 person starbucks line next to me there's a barney's beanery i don't really want to have a beer at 6 a.m right now before my flight um okay cool let's give this a shot so i'm, I'm just curious like how do you make it how do you make it such a pleasant experience from the moment where i place my order to literally like four minutes later when I go down the terminal to pick up the food. First, I'm going to touch on the fact that you didn't want a beer at 6am because a lot of people ask <laughs> us, do you have alcohol? And it's like 5am. I'm like, are you serious right now? Um, but yes. Okay. So first of all, the Starbucks line is about 45 minutes and it's 45 minutes throughout the entire day, pretty much. So during like COVID too, another thing that we did is we partnered with Pete's Coffee, as I'm sure you saw. And so we actually have a barista in the back as well. Um, so you can get your coffee in like four to five minutes instead of like waiting in that line. So what Breeze is like, you know, in plain, simple terms, we're, we're a ghost kitchen, cloud kitchen for airports. So we take underutilized space and we power Breeze. So we have a kitchen in the back. Everything is made fresh. 
So when you hover over the QR code and you place your order, an order gets sent to our kitchen um, and they prep it and then they bring it out to kind of like our expo area where someone puts in your snacks and drinks or the barista brings in the coffee. And then we have a runner that brings it out to you. So the model is just extremely efficient. We don't have that much space and space is just really hard to come by in an airport. So we try to utilize the space very efficiently. And then we have like key people to kind of bring the food out to you. And we also have a brand ambassador at the front, as I'm sure you probably saw, who can help you order if you don't know how to scan or who can answer any questions. Yeah, the the brand ambassador was very enthusiastic and helpful. So kudos on good hiring. Love it, love and it. I mean, Great just, to hear. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just all around, it, it's been a it's been a really pleasant experience. The last question, I guess, I'll ask before we go into rapid fire is, from what you're seeing now, as you're saying, pent up demand for people traveling. Is there any big changes you foresee uh, for Breeze in the next year or so? Anything you are really tracking closely? Really tracking closely. I think the main value add of Breeze in this post-COVID era is that we can iterate really quickly. And I know startups are always iterating quickly because it's very you know, important to being a startup. But in the airport, as you can imagine, people don't move fast. Like, you know, things happen and then, you know, it's just very slow. So our biggest value add right now as an airport is like, we can just be so quick to adapt. So I'll give you an example, like the coffee thing, we never had hot coffee, we only had like La Cologne cold brews. And the, the line at Starbucks was so long that actually Delta asked us because it's Delta terminal, is there any way you can put in hot coffee? And so we approached Pete's coffee, um, we did this whole thing, maybe in like a week and a half, got the images on the app, got in a barista, and now we have Pete's coffee, right? And for any other concession to do something like that, there's a lot more steps involved. For us, because yep. we're completely digital, we can just iterate really quickly. Another example is that, you know, everyone was asking, like, is there a Chipotle in this terminal? Like, I just really want Chipotle. Like, no, <laughs> but now we have like guac and chips or a taco jar, right? Sure. So we can just like add based on demand. And I think that's how we're going to just continue to go in to new terminals as well. It's kind of like understanding like what's available in that terminal. What are some of the things that aren't available or where are all the lines? And then how can we help alleviate the lines to deliver a better terminal experience, to do a better airport experience? Um, You know, in Terminal 2, we work really closely with Delta. Delta is actually an investor in Breeze. And, um, you know, it's, it's all about like how we can help deliver that better terminal experience because ultimately if you're having a bad experience in the airport, you're actually putting that on Delta, right? Their NPS is going <laughs> right. to suffer even though their plane yep. experience was amazing, but the terminal experience was shitty. So it's, yeah. it's how can you make the entire travel experience a better experience? And I think that's a lot what you're going to see from us in the future. Um, we're going to go into new tra- terminals, first of all at LAX and, and expand from there. But Overall, just figuring out how we continue to make the airport experience more seamless. And, you know, traveling is stressful enough. Do you really need the yep. food to be stressful as well? And you see all these like moms with kids or, you know, like trying <laughs> to like, yeah, the kid wants this and that. And, and why not come to one spot, do it all on your phone, sit down while it's coming and, you know, be on your way. Right. And there's something for everyone. So that's what we really want to do. We really want to have something for everyone and, and make the experience uh, a lot more seamless and stress-free. What you're doing, I think if I were, you know, the person at Starbucks in charge of airport locations, I would be kicking myself <laughs> right now. Cause I'd be like, how come we didn't do this? We already had a great, 
app set up, you know, for our regular locations. You've touched on this a little bit real quick, and then I promise we will get to rapid fire. (laughs) But, but, you know, you mentioned how challenging it is to make change in this space. Why do you think people with deep pockets like Starbucks, who already had a great mobile game, how come they weren't taking the initiative, taking the lead on this, you think? Well, as I mentioned before, it's the airport operator, right, who's licensing Starbucks, the brand. So it's not Starbucks going into an airport. I think really like, and now I have firsthand experience, it's very hard for someone without airport experience and airport in their blood to go into an airport. So for Starbucks to be like, I'm going to like put all my resources into airport land. They would need a whole different team, like a whole different setup. They would, it's union labor. They would have to figure out how to do that. Like there's so many nuances as an airport environment that I just don't think these these companies um, are set up to uh, handle the the airport nuances, and they want to focus their resources more so on their core business, which is you know open opening you know Starbucks street side locations. So yeah. um, I think that's the primary reason. It's also very hard to have like control over your brand in an airport because there's just so many rules. Yeah, I, I also used to wonder that a lot, but now I'm starting to understand that, you know, maybe it's not the best use of their time. For sure. Well, thank you for dedicating your time, your energy, <laughs> your expertise to it, because it's been transformative for my own travel and I'm sure for many, many others. And I'm excited to see it expand. So as I you know, go to other cities, fly to other cities, I can smile when I see a breeze and, <laughs> yes. and rest easy, knowing that I'll have healthy food that'll be ready in four minutes that I can sit and enjoy. Um, so seriously, thank you for what you're doing. It's, it's made travel a lot more pleasant for people like me. I appreciate it. This is why I do what I do, <laughs> hearing these stories. <laughs> Amazing. And so we'll wind down with some rapid fire questions. Firstly, if you could wake up tomorrow having gained one skill or ability, what would it be? Definitely programming. I wish I learned that. Where's a place you haven't been to yet that you hope to visit? Africa. And we have a Spotify playlist where we add each guest song recommendation. So if there's a song you're jamming to right now, what would you like us to add to the playlist? So anything Avicii, but right now it's without you. And finally, where can people check out your work, follow you, keep up with Breeze, plug all the things that there is to plug? You can see us on Instagram at, at flywithbreeze. Uh, my personal Instagram too is a l a w e e a lawi twelve. And then if you have any questions, you can reach out Annabelle at flywithbreeze.com. Amazing. And if you're curious about the podcast, you can check us out on Instagram at hdydpod. Annabelle, thank you so much. I'm so excited for everything that's in store for Breeze, for your coaching and beyond. I appreciate the time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I hope you found value in today's conversation. If you still haven't left your review for How Do You Do Podcast, I'm going to walk you through the process right now, and it only takes 10 seconds. First, look at your phone screen and click where it says, How Do You Do Podcast, which is in purple. And if you're not seeing this, then you're probably listening to this on a different app. So I want you to click on where it says, Listen on Apple Podcasts, and then you'll see the purple link. Click that. Then you'll just scroll past all the previous episodes to where it says ratings and reviews, and all you need to do is tap the star on the far right, and you've left a five-star rating. I thank you in advance for taking the 10 seconds to do that, and I really, truly appreciate you listening to this episode. Thanks for sharing it with your friends and followers, and I'll see you back here next week. (laughs) 